Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I am doing well also. The The school year is officially over, uh, so my my schedule's opening up a little bit, which is which is good news for me. More, Even more time for football. Maybe, I don't know, Matt, maybe that'll mean more Dynasty Blueprints. We'll see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe we could squeeze an extra one in here and there. Well, Matt, today we're going to be taking a look at rookie superflex adp and i feel like every time i put out some data or a trade or or anything value related if it comes from a one quarterback league i hear people saying who plays in one quarterback leagues anymore <laughs> superflex leagues are all that that matter and um and i get that i mean if i'm joining a new league that's probably my first question is is it a superflex league and if it's not, I'm probably out. I, I know we finally got you in a Superflex League last year. That was your first experience with Superflex Dynasty. What did you think about that? Yeah, I'm behind the times and I'm mad at myself because of it. Because I'm in seven Dynasty Leagues. Six are traditional and one is Superflex, which is my newest. And I wish I was in six Superflex and one traditional. You know, and I, right. you know, yeah. it is better. It, the value is more important. I mean, you know, highly sought after quarterback should be highly sought after in, in in fantasy. Absolutely. In those one quarterback leagues, you're looking at a, a handful of quarterbacks that even matter. And yeah. d- does it really matter if you have Carson Wentz or Matthew Stafford or Josh Allen? They're all kind of the same. But uh, those those differences are uh, are multiplied in super flex leagues and uh, almost every quarterback matters. Uh, it, it just changes the value so much. So we've talked uh, a lot of rookie, rookie ADP, rookie value through the fr- uh, past couple weeks. Today, we're going to focus only on rookie super flex. We've got some ADP here. This, uh, this ADP comes from uh, dynasty league football, but it actually comes from my fantasy league. Uh, over at DLF, we pull ADP from actual rookie drafts that have taken place. I love that feature on DLF because you can uh, y- you can filter things and make those changes to find exactly uh, the type of league you have. If you're playing Superflex or one quarterback, PPR or non-PPR, uh, IDP or or offense only, you can filter and find whatever fits your league. So uh, I filtered that tool to focus only on Superflex non-IDP leagues, and we got over 300 drafts that have taken <laughs> place already. Wow. So this is this is a lot of data and uh, a, a very strong sample size for sure. Uh, Matt, what we're going to do today is we'll break down each tier. So we'll go through each tier uh, as determined by the, by the data, by the ADP, and as we look at a tier, we want to talk about who would be our targets in that tier. Uh, are there any players we would be avoiding? Maybe players that uh, feel overdrafted or overvalued. And, and and again, just focus on if we're in that tier, if we've got a, a pick in that range, who are we targeting? I like it. Let's dig right in. All right. The top tier, uh, this, this won't be any surprise. The top tier is made up of three players. We've got Joe Burrow at the top. He is the 101, uh, but his ADP is his ADP is not one exactly. It's 1.78, meaning he's not always the 101. I've seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be drafted at 101 in a super flex league. In fact, Matt, I did that myself. I, I made you? that pick myself, took Clyde at 101, and, and then Jonathan Taylor is also in that tier. So Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor – the ADPs are narrowly separated, 1.78, 2.66, 2.71, and then we see a little bit of a gap after that. Now, I don't think there's necessarily any players we would avoid in that tier. I'd be happy to have any of those guys on my team. I think I can speak for you and say the same. Uh, but is is there one player you're really hoping for if you have a top three pick? Or we could just say... If you have the 101, who are you taking? I would clearly take Burrow at 101. I mean, I like all three of those guys, and maybe this opens up a bigger discussion, but in non-Superflex, in traditional, 
I think, you know, we know the top five backs, Edward Solaire, Taylor, Dobbin, Swift, Akers. But I think they're very, very close. So in Superflex, all five of those would be on the same tier for me. In fact, I've recently put Dobbins over Taylor. So that brings me to the question of, okay, if one, if in a traditional rookie draft, if one, oh, 101 and 105 are really, really close in value to me, maybe Tua should be my 102 in Superflex. I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up really at the very beginning of the show because we can go through these tiers and we can look at at what the data tells us is most likely going to happen in rookie drafts, Superflex rookie drafts based on this. But in the end, it comes down to how you, how the individual person ranks these players. Mm-hmm. So in your case, if you have the 101, you're clearly taking Burrow. After that, you would... It sounds like you would disagree with the top tier of three. Your top tier might be uh, seven top, or one. Right, right. Right. Your top your top tier is probably one. Right. And then your second tier is wide open. So in that case, and, and if a listener agrees with you, then you don't want that two pick. You don't want Not the three all. pick. That's that's where you want to move down and and gain some value, get some extra picks on there. And the more I think about it, the more I think I might take two a if Burrow's off the board. And in that case, maybe it would depend a little bit on my team. And rarely do I make rookie picks in any format based on what I already have. But if I have one, if I have another late first that I can get a back or a receiver, maybe I'd be tempted to grab Tua with a second pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. In fact, I mentioned that I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the 101 in a Superflex rookie draft. The reason I did that is because I also had the 103. Okay. Uh, so I I knew I could still You're get a quarterback. a quarterback. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Smart. The, the way it ended up working out uh, was Jonathan Taylor went two, and I got Burrow at three. So Wow. In, in that but case, I got – But you sort of forced that to happen. I mean, you you influenced it at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was basically – the way I looked at it was – Where's the bigger gap? Is the bigger gap from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to Jonathan Taylor, or is it from Burrow to Tua? And in that league, and that's and this is where your your team situation does come into play. Uh, I had a bigger quarterback need. I'm sorry, I had a bigger running back need, and and thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could give me that immediate production. Uh, and, and as much as I like Jonathan Taylor, maybe maybe he gets off to a slower. Uh, rookie season so that's that's all it came down to for me and uh, obviously a close call between the top two running backs the top two quarterbacks and and as you mentioned some of the other running backs may be coming into play as well so like I said take this ADP data take the tiers that are created but then make sure you're applying your own rankings your own value for for what you think about these players and use that to your advantage if you know Burrow Edwards Hilaire and Taylor are going top three and you think Dobbins or Tua are, are just as good, then trade down. And even if you're just getting a second-round rookie pick or something like that, trade down, take that value uh, that value gain. Would you fault anyone, if you kind of flip the script, let I have 101, but I have four and maybe even five quarterbacks that I can check the box on Sunday or have some, you know, some upside and some youth to them. And maybe one of them is Derek Carr or, you know, isn't a superstar, but they have value. Would you fault someone for using the 101 on a running back in that instance where you have a wealth of quarterbacks? No, not at all. And and again, according to this data, over 300 rookie drafts coming into play here, three players went 101. And it was these three that we're talking about, Burrow, Edwards Hilaire, and Jonathan Taylor. I think you can make a case for any of them. And honestly, I, I know some people have Tua uh, Tugavaloa as their QB1 overall. Mm-hmm. So I think you could even make a case for him. But again, that's where you would want to trade down. You know, if he's your 101, you know you're probably on an island with that. So so gain some value with the trade down there if you can. I, I got one more question for maybe our non-Superflex listeners or people that are just getting interested in it. To me, since, we've, since the Dynasty Blueprint's been around, I would say Saquon has been the most no-brainer first overall in traditional leagues. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes. 
if Saquon yeah, for sure. coming out of Penn State just got drafted by the Giants were in this draft, would he go number one easily, even over Burrow? Yeah, I still think he would. Okay. Super yeah, prospect. I mean, again, right, again, you're you're talking about making a case for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jonathan Taylor as the 101, and, and Barkley was Way clearly... Right, yeah. at, at least coming out at that point. He had the high draft capital. He had... Uh, he was viewed as as the slam dunk 101 throughout the process, which is, of course, not the case for Edwards Hilaire. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he would have been if if he's in this class with um, everything we know about him coming out, and he has that same draft capital and et cetera. I think he would be the 101 in this okay, class. Okay. Yeah, good. All right, so so no landmines in the uh, in the top tier. Certainly, we like all of those guys. Uh, only thing we would stress is to use your own rankings and, and don't be afraid to move up and down, not only within the tier, but even to the second tier, depending on what your rankings look like. Let's take a look at the second tier. It is a deep one. It starts with, uh, it starts with Tua at the 1.04. I'm actually surprised his ADP didn't put him uh, in that top tier. He's drafted as high as two overall, but also drafted as low as eight. Uh, somebody is getting a steal with him there. So his ADP is 4.44. J.K. Dobbins comes in next, an ADP of 5.63. Uh, and, and we could probably, it depends on how, how picky you want to get here, we could probably call uh, DeAndre Swift at 6, the end of a tier. His ADP is 6.26. So those guys narrowly separated Dobbins, I'm sorry, Tua, Dobbins, and Swift. Uh, what are you looking at with that group, Matt? Who's your top target? And is are we getting any players that you might be avoiding that early? Uh, Swift a little. And in that, I like Akers more than Swift. So if there's a, a, a little gap between those two, I think Akers is going to be a better player this year. And I'm not sure going forward, but I trust the franchise he fell with more. So I'd like Akers more than Swift. I wouldn't take Swift in the top six. Um, I said earlier, I like Dobbins more than Taylor. And so, I mean, I guess there's no, you know, I, I wouldn't have any objections taking Dobbins at five or two at four, but Swift would not be off the board for me if I had won six. Right. That makes sense. Uh, and, and Cam Akers is the next player available. Again, like I said, it just depends on how you're viewing these tiers. Uh, but but small gaps in ADP, especially this high in the in a draft, can a- actually represent a teardrop. So mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift six point two six, Cam Akers seven point six six, and Cam Akers fell as far as the eleventh overall pick in these three hundred plus rookie drafts. Again, somebody getting a very nice value in the late first with Cam Akers. So in, in that tier of three players, Tua, Dobbins, Swift, Swift would be the player you would avoid, uh, and it sounds like you'd be happy to have either of the other two. Absolutely, and would have them both ranked ahead of Taylor probably in Superflex. Okay. So I might consider them either three. Yeah, and, and I would um, – I think I would agree with, with Swift in the sixth spot. I do have him over Aker still. Um, I, if I'm on the clock there – I'm looking hard at one of these wide receivers, and, and these are the uh, some of the players in what we'll call the third tier here. It starts with Cam Akers at 7 overall, an ADP of 7.66. C.D. Lamb next, 7.97. And then a little bit of a jump. We're going to keep them in the same tier. Jerry Judy, 9.15. And then finally, Justin Herbert in the 10th spot at 9.83. So, again, Matt, we've got Akers, Lamb, Judy and Herbert, you already made it clear that Akers would be your target there. Are, are you scared of any of those guys, any of those players you're avoiding uh, in that first round range? Not particularly, but I mentioned I'm only in one Superflex league, and I had the 110, and I hadn't really done Superflex ranks as nearly as much as the other, you know, as a traditional ranks, and kind of came to the conclusion, I'm just going to stay at 110. I'm usually aggressive. I'm going to move up, I'm going to move down. I pretty much just said, I'm going to stay at 110 and I'll get whatever the 10th guy is because I'm happy with all of them. However, the non-fantasy person in me, the scout background, 
I don't really believe in Herbert, but I understand that he has a lot of value. He's going to run. It sounds like the Chargers want to base their offense a little more off of what Baltimore's doing. I think it's a good situation, and he's a quarterback. So I didn't have a problem taking him at 10. That's what I got. But I'm not, I wouldn't buy a lot of stock in Justin Herbert in the real world. I have questions about him as a player. Yeah, that's fair. I've been a little surprised that we've seen the gap in in ADP between the top two guys, Burrow and Tua, and Justin Herbert. I think it can be argued that Herbert's situation with the Chargers is is just as strong, maybe even better than in Cincinnati or Miami. While he was the third quarterback drafted, we're, we're talking about all these guys as uh, as top six overall picks. So. Um, I think Herbert is a screaming value at 10. I actually got him at 11 in mm. a rookie draft, a super flex rookie draft, uh, just a couple days ago. So do you remember who snuck in ahead of him? That's not in the top 10 here. Uh, I did. It was Jalen Rager. Ah, Jalen Rager went ahead of him. Yeah. We'll get to him in yeah. a moment, but I like him a lot. Exactly. So, so you're taking Herbert at that 10 spot, but you're not trading up to get him. No, you're not necessarily being, making an aggressive move to get Justin Herbert. Very comfortable taking a 10, but he's my number 10. Right. Uh, and, and what about the wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, Jerry, Judy? It seems like these two guys have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle because we've got the three first-round quarterbacks, top 10 quarterbacks that are going in this range. Of course, we've got the uh, the five running backs, and, and, and then Lamb and Judy have almost become afterthoughts even though they're viewed as uh, elite prospects coming in. Uh, what what are you doing with those guys? Are you, are you still happy to get them, or are you kind of bummed you didn't get a running back? A little bummed, I guess, but they yeah. always seem like they fall right next to each other and right in that area. If it's not super flex, it's six and seven. You know, if it is super flex, it's eight and nine. You know, like, you know what you're getting at those spots. I slightly prefer Judy because I liked him better as a prospect, and that was enough for me to keep that edge, but it's minimal. But I've ended up with neither one of those players in any of my rookie drafts. I've not intentionally traded away from them, but I've gotten good offers to get out of that neighborhood and took them. Let's recap because we're nearing the end of the first round. Uh, Tier 1 based on ADP, Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Jonathan Taylor. Tier two is Tua Tungavaloa, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. We see a little bit of a gap to tier three, Cam Akers, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Justin Herbert. Matt, you mentioned it. I think most people would agree that there's a pretty strong uh, gap or, or teardrop between 10 and 11. Now we're ready for just a flood of wide receiver prospects. I like all of these guys. I don't know if I'm avoiding any of them. But if you've got the 11 or the 12 pick, it, it might be tough to make a pick. I, I don't know that there's a strong difference between 11 overall and 17 or 18 overall. I semi-agree with you, and I love that neighborhood. Like, if I can get from six and turn that into two of those guys or you know sprinkle something in, I'm totally in. I like gathering up receivers from this portion of the draft that we're about to talk about. But I have a clear favorite, and I'm going to tell you about him as soon as I tell you about Reality Sports Online, the fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, folks, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. they got free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and way more. You think it sounds complicated? It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite, which I bet many of you do if you're listening right now. Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. So if you're still not sure, you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. I love Jalen Rager. He's, I would run to the podium. Wouldn't consider him over Herbert. 
but I think he's almost in his own tier of these pile of receivers. You're definitely not the first person I've heard say that. As I mentioned earlier, he was selected in, in this one rookie draft that I was taking part in with, with several other uh, writers and podcasters in the community. He was selected before Herbert. So clearly there are some strong feelings about Jalen Rager. What's interesting to me is in these drafts, and again, these are pulled from actual Superflex dynasty leagues that are out there on my fantasy league. He's not the 11th player mm-hmm. overall. It's it's Justin Jefferson at 11, and of course it is close. Jefferson comes in with an ADP of 12.03. Again, Justin Herbert, one spot ahead of him, had an ADP of 9.83. So this is, uh, this is definitely the largest gap we've had from one player to another. Represents a clear teardrop. Justin Jefferson... 12.03 is 11 overall. Jalen Rager, 12.32 is uh, is 12 overall. Um, so, so no real surprise. Their, their numbers are similar. They both went as high as 10 overall, as low as 16. That goes back to what we were talking about with just that bevy of, of wide receivers. It's Jefferson and Rager followed by Henry Ruggs, ADP of 13.6. Keyshawn Vaughn sneaks in there, 14.6. T. Higgins, 15.9. We we could probably stop there. A little bit of a gap after T. Higgins. So we will call this tier uh, five players. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, Keyshawn Vaughn, and T. Higgins. Uh, You definitely want Rager there. You already mentioned that. Anybody you're avoiding in that 11 to 15 range? All of them. I... <laughs> Outside of Rager, you're you're trading down? Yeah, and it's not that I dislike that group. I have no problems adding those guys to my team. But it, it, the, the guys I keep ending up with in rookie drafts are Rager and Pittman. And I have Pittman right after Rager on my receiver list, ahead of Jefferson, ahead of Ruggs. Ahead of Higgins, um, Vaughn is scaring me more and more that, that I dig into this. So I don't have a problem with those guys, but I seem to end up with Rager, Pittman, and Ayuk. And Pittman and Ayuk aren't in the same category to me, and I would take them clearly over Higgins or Mims. I would take Pittman over Ruggs. I think I'd take Ayuk and Ruggs probably about the same. Yeah, and again, that just goes back to the depth of this wide receiver group. We cut the tier off there after T. Higgins, but we'll get to some of the other names, including the ones you just mentioned. Uh, and and while we see a slight gap in ADP, if you think about their actual value, if you think about where what order they might be drafted in one specific draft, it really could go in any order. If you mm-hmm. if you see IU coming off the board before. T Higgins or even before Henry Ruggs, it it wouldn't be all that shocking. So I, I would have kind of different, different pieces of advice there. If you have a favorite, if there's one guy in that group you really want, I would say get your guy, you know, don't, don't get cute and try to trade down and, and get some value because this group of wide receivers could go in any order. Any of them could be late first rounders. Any of them could fall to the middle of the second round, especially in these super flex leagues where we know Burrow and Tua and Herbert are going to be drafted ahead of the majority of them. Yeah, and I've traded up a few times to grab Pittman ahead of Higgins and Ruggs and guys like that, and you get comments like, you could probably just stay put and get him, but I like him that much. I'll be aggressive. I don't want to play against him. I want him on my team. And again, I, I would gladly quote settle for Higgins or Pittman or, or, or I mean Higgins or Mims or Rugs. They're just not my faves. Right. Uh, you mentioned some growing concerns with Vaughn. He really has become uh, kind of the litmus test of this uh, of this rookie draft class because uh, the landing spot tells us we should uh, we should be chasing this guy. We we all knew that whoever it was, we wanted a piece of that Tampa Bay backfield. There's uh, there's thoughts that Ronald Jones has been a bust and maybe they're just kind of giving up on him. I don't know if that's the case quite yet. 
but but you see Vaughn here at 14 overall in a super flex league. I think in our one quarterback ADP, if you if you filter by one quarterback instead of super flex, I believe he shows up at 11 overall, which is about a round earlier than I'm willing to take him. Which which just means I'm not going to get Keyshawn Vaughn on my roster on any roster this year, and that's okay with me. What are your your concerns? Your uh, you're coming across with Vaughn. What I've noticed is when he goes, it seems like it's always to an owner or a team that really needs a running back, and they overdraft them. Um, when he went here uh, on draft day, whenever he got picked by the the Bucks, I originally said, "Folks, Vaughn's going to lead the Bucks in rushing," and I still believe that. I still think that they have hopes for Ronald Jones, even though that I don't. And I thought. Ronald Jones is bad in protection, so Brady absolutely is going to have a back that is going to protect him, and I think Vaughn excels in that area, but for a rookie. And the other thing I often say about Vaughn is, it wouldn't shock me one bit if the Bucks' second-round pick next year is a running back. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I don't know that I even have strong feelings about Vaughn versus Ronald Jones. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it has to be one versus the other. Uh, I, I probably won't have either one on any of my 20 dynasty teams, and, and I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. I, if you look back at uh, Bruce Arians' coaching history, he doesn't have a lot of top running backs uh, on, his, on his resume uh, that just – uh, whether you know whether that's just kind of the way it's fallen or uh, whether that comes from his his offensive game plan uh, e- either way it, it it hasn't happened and people talk about the the arrival of Tom Brady and how much that could help or hurt same thing i i don't think Tom Brady is going to suddenly turn Ronald Jones or uh, or Keyshawn Vaughn into a, a regular fantasy starter. I, mm. I just really don't want either one of those guys. Yeah, and what if Gronk and Brady are not football players next year? You know, uh, that offense could crumble. I, I don't know. I, I, I just see people taking Vaughn, and I go, good. And it's always a team that is really shallow on running backs, and I just think that's a bad way to pick. And like you said, Vaughn is not – I mean, I would take Vaughn at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if If we're talking – Late second round. That's we'll talk about some of the players in that range very soon. That's more where I would consider him. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's locked in as as the RB six in this class. All right, let's move on to that next tier. We talked about some of the names already. We stopped at T Higgins at fifteen overall. Uh, Denzel Mims, 16 overall, with an ADP of 17.17. Michael Pittman comes next, 17.73. Brandon Ayuk, 18.98. A little bit of a gap there. We'll keep him in this tier. LaVisca Chenault, 20.8. A.J. Dillon, 20.9. Uh, we let, Yeah, let's keep going. It's, right. it's a little separation here. Zach Moss, 21.8. And Jordan Love, 22.1. We'll stop there. That gets us all the way down to 22 overall. So we go from 15 overall to 22 overall in this tier. It's a deep one uh, and, a, and a little bit of a mix of everything. Some of these first-rounders or some of these wide receivers we like, including some first-rounders or at least one first-rounder like Brandon Ayuk. And then we get into the uh, the the running back tier, guys that are viewed probably as backup running backs, A.J. Dillard and Zach Moss. And then we even get our final first-rounder, Jordan Love, in that group. Uh, Matt, a lot of players to throw at you there. Let's start with players from that group that you would just simply avoid. You don't want them on your team as a second-rounder. Dillard and Moss come to mind. I mean, I mentioned how much I love Pittman and Ayuk. I'm not a big Love fan, but it's kind of like the Herbert argument I just made a couple minutes ago that he's going to be a starter at some point. He's going to run. There's value in that. Um, I would probably take him ahead of Dylan or Moss. I just look at Dylan and think, I think he's going to, I think they're going to re-sign Aaron Jones. So, mm. yeah, I think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be the Jamal Williams and probably a better version of it. 
and he'll be fine. But I think Jones is going to be the lead back for the next two or three years. And Zach Moss, to me, is also going to be a 50-50 kind of guy at best. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on Zach Moss as a player to avoid in this range. I, I would rather have some of the names that we haven't even mentioned yet that are uh, that we'll see showing up even in the third round ahead of Moss. So I'm not taking Zach Moss in the second round at all. Uh, A.J. Dillon, I don't know. that I think what's giving him some value is the assumption that the Packers are not going to re-sign Aaron Jones. And and they've been so they've been so hesitant through now multiple coaching staffs. They've been hesitant to to make him that lead back on a consistent basis. We saw it when Jamal Williams was injured last year, and, and Aaron Jones looked like a top three running back in the league. But as soon as as soon as Williams was healthy, uh, it was back to that committee, which has just been so frustrating. And <clears throat> now the the addition of AJ Dillon just seems like uh, like another iron on the fire there. That uh, what what do we do with this backfield? It's you've got this talent that it feels like everybody sees it except for the the Packers coaching staff. See, I think you you said it perfectly, but didn't quite tell our listeners the answer. Is I think they love Aaron Jones. I think the last staff it loved Aaron Jones, but I don't think he's a workhorse, and I don't think anybody thinks he's a workhorse. So. How do we maximize Aaron Jones is having a good number two in the Green Bay backfield. Jamal Williams isn't worth resigning, especially if we're to give that money to Jones. So we're going to draft a big back to compliment him and keep Jones as our most, as our one. That's how I think the backfield goes. Well, that is certainly going to be really one of the huge storylines to watch over the next year is, is how that plays out uh, because we've got a ton of those class of 2017 players and, and we talk about that class <clears throat> so much they they basically rescued the the, the dynasty uh, dynasty leagues as a whole with that with that addition of talent especially at the running back position and and Aaron Jones has been a big piece of that but whether he stays in Green Bay or not is going to go a long way in determining his value and the value of A.J. Dillon as well. So it, it pretty much comes down right now as you're making draft picks to do you buy into the narrative that uh, they're they're not willing to pay Aaron Jones? If you do, you probably want to draft A.J. Dillon in the late second round, which is where he's going. If you agree with Matt and you think this is really more of bad news for Jamal Williams, uh, then, then A.J. Dillon is probably not worth that second round price tag. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. And I also think there might be rough times ahead for the Packers. Like, I'm not sure this is an organization that I want to put my money in. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm worried about uh, – well, I mean, everybody has to be worried coming out of that draft because it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the A.J. Dillon and, and Jordan Love picks that were surprising, but it's it's making the move up to get those picks. It's giving up other draft capital, not – selecting a wide receiver at all despite the the pretty clear need there uh they they got hammered on draft weekend and and deservedly so yeah i don't think times are going to be real fruitful for the packers coming up let's uh let's finish off the second round with our next tier Uh, i i see a small gap a small tier i should say of of just three players that will end the second round and get us into the third round Brian Edwards, 23 overall. Antonio Gibson, 24 overall. And Jalen Hurts, 25 overall. So Edwards, Gibson, and Hurts. Matt, I don't know about you, but Edwards and Gibson are a couple players I've been drafting every single chance I get when they're on the board in that mid to late second round range. And Jalen Hurts is a player I've just been avoiding even in these super flex leagues. I'm such a, a massive Wentz fan, and I understand he's brittle, but I, I didn't like Hurts coming out of school, so I would be avoiding him. And I half agree with you on Edwards and Gibson. I, I want Edwards everywhere I could get him and probably would have taken him before this point. Um, Gibson scares me, though. I, I think there's a very legitimate chance that he's not a running back, not a receiver. So so just stuck in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think that they're they're counting on him as an early pick to be a difference maker. I just think he has a lot of work to do to be one or the other, let alone both. And I don't like the offense. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know why you would like the offense. Of course, he has drawn comparisons to Christian McCaffrey, which is uh, nuts. Yeah, let's say comical at best. <laughs> And, you know, he has the kind of has those hybrid skills and so much so that uh, until they announced him as a running back, we didn't know if he was going to be a running back or a wide receiver. And and to be honest, we're still not really sure how he's going to be used. Uh, They certainly need help in uh, on their wide receiver depth chart. But their running backs aren't so strong either, unless Darius Geis is is suddenly a picture of health, which I don't think is the case. So. Some some fair concern about how Gibson will be used. I'm I'm willing to take a chance on him in this range in the in the late second round for sure. I agree with you on Edwards though. I would Love we talked it. about yeah. Jordan Love, Zach Moss, AJ Dillon. I want him over all those guys. To me, he's closer to Chenault and Ayuk than he is uh, anybody that's left on the board. I I don't think it's crazy to say that in most years. Without the COVID and you can get all the medical and without it being such an obscenely strong wide receiver class, that Brian Edwards would have been a first-round pick in the NFL draft. It's a big statement, but I like it. Yeah, uh, I know you like Henry Ruggs as well. So if you have to pick one, do you want Henry Ruggs as a late first-rounder or Brian Edwards as a late second-rounder? By far, Edwards. Yeah, yeah by far. Matt, our next tier, which we're getting into the well into the third round now, starts with a couple players that we've talked about lately, a couple players that you're going to get to know very well. Chase Claypool, 26 overall. Anthony McFarland, 27 overall. Uh, and that just leads into basically the entire third round is almost one tier. You're going to see some of these guys uh, fall a little bit. Or, or or rise up, however it might go in in different drafts, but the ADP gaps are very small all the way down uh, to the end of the third round. So I'm I'm just going to rattle off some of these names, and you can tell me, Matt, if anybody is standing out to you, uh, either in a in a good way or a bad way. Players you would target, players you would avoid, even as third rounders. So Claypool and McFarland, Darrington Evans, Cole Komet, Joshua Kelly. K.J. Hamler, that's 31 overall. Jacob Eason, 32 overall. Van Jefferson, Lynn Bowden, Adam Troutman, and Devin DuVernay. We'll stop there. That gets us to the end of round three. Who stands out to you as, as somebody you're targeting in the third round, Matt? Well, go back a couple Dynasty Blueprints and listen to the Anthony McFarland one. I mean, he's my 17th player in traditional rookie drafts. So he's a 27 yeah, I can factor in a couple quarterbacks to go ahead of him, but I like him more than Dylan. I like him more than Moss. So he jumps off the page here. Um, I want to talk about Darrington Evans a little bit too, because I think this is how this goes: is Henry has a really good year and is on Sports Center a lot and punishing people and running away from people, and Evans has some flashes and does fine. You know, I mean, he um, breaks a long run here and there. You know, doesn't get a ton of touches. Henry does not get resigned. He goes and he's a Falcon or whatever. And then there's a two-month gap where Evans is sitting atop the depth chart and you can trade him for a lot. So for the 28th pick in the draft, I'll take that guy. And I feel like his floor is still being a quality number two on that team, whether it's Henry ahead of him. And at that point would be a pretty high injury risk or some rookie that's presumably a more pedigree guy than Evans. I think that's all really well said, and I think we can put McFarland and Evans in kind of in the same situation because you look at uh, you look at Henry in Tennessee, Connor in Pittsburgh. They're the presumed starters right now, uh, and Henry obviously is uh, is the starter for the Titans. But even, like you said, even if Evans, and, and this is true with McFarland as well, I think, even if these guys get limited work as rookies, Henry's probably moving on. Mm-hmm. Connor's almost certainly moving on. And, these, and, and McFarland and Evans are going to, at the very least, gain dynasty value. A lot. Right. So you, you take them in the third round, 
And and then even if you sit on them for a year, you can at the very least sell them for a second round pick and, and maybe even a, a first round pick if you get lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my thoughts on them too. And um, so I think they're great value at this point. There's two other guys I wanted to lump together that look totally different in Claypool and Hamler. I just don't know that either one of those guys will ever be a high target player. I think they have their specialty rules. Um, you know, they'll be deep threats. They'll be obviously they're very different styles of wide receivers, but I don't know that either one of them's ever going to catch 70, 80 balls. Yeah, both both solid third rounders for sure, I think. Uh, grab them and see what happens. One player I wanted to ask you about and somebody we haven't really talked about at all, uh, I, I don't think through this entire offseason, is Jacob Eason. He, he's going 32 overall in this, uh, right in the middle of this third round range. The Colts grab him. They, they've they got Rivers, but they don't have, they don't have their quarterback of the future. Probably don't even have their 2021 20, starter on their roster right now. And unless you believe that is Jacob Eason. He falls to the fourth round of the NFL draft. Do you see him as the future starter in Indianapolis, or were they just kind of shooting their shot to see what happened? I think it's much more the second, but I really think Indy has told us what they want to do. You know, that their pick of Taylor and Pittman just say, we want to be a traditional, really big, big, you know, physical, nasty um, I. Quentin Nelson is the face of the franchise now now to me. And right. and to me, that fits you, Eason. You know, if you're going to protect them and run the ball a lot and play 1985 football with a big physical team, maybe he can do that. And I like his landing spot a lot. But before the NFL draft, I looked at Jacob Eason and thought, he's another one of these tall guys that will bounce around the league and isn't a starter. And I mostly think that too, but I do like where he landed. So in a super flex, you know, I would still rather have Troutman, DuVernay, Gandy Goldman, Aussie Aussie, some of the guys getting picked after him. But I understand it. I mean, if you're going to take a shot at the most important position, do it. Matt, I want, I want to go back to kind of your scouting days a little bit here. This is not necessarily a fantasy football question or, or a dynasty question or anything like that. It, it just, it, it's a couple situations I've been wondering or been thinking about lately in relation to Eason, because last year we see, we see the Panthers take Will Greer uh, third round hundredth pick overall, you know, pr- pretty, pretty solid draft capital for a player in general. We see the Patriots add Jarrett Stidham uh, a, a later in the draft day, uh, day three, I believe, of the draft. And, and then both of those guys get almost no work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think Stid- Stidham was on the field at all. <clears throat> and, and then and then the way the Patriots and the Panthers have attacked the offseason has been so different, right? The Patriots presumably had their chance to add Cam Newton or Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett or Nick Foles or whoever, and, and they didn't do any of that uh, and and didn't draft a quarterback either the Panthers on the other hand were aggressive in signing Teddy Bridgewater they get rid of Cam Newton they they even bring in the the XFL kid uh, Walker Mm -hmm. so the moves that those two teams have been have made tell us obviously two very different stories about these second year quarterbacks so what is it is it all just what they've seen on the practice field over the past year that tells the Panthers Greer is, is never going to be it for us. And, and kind of the same thing with New England. Did they see enough just on the practice field to be confident in Stidham? So just kind of go back to your, yeah. your scouting days for that. My hunch is, again, teams tell you what they think. And I think adding Walker was just a bonus prize of he was my Temple guy and I really liked him and he did a great job at the XFL and this is probably the team he wants to come to most. And I've grabbed him in Superflex. I think there's a really good chance he plays this year. Um, so I think that was just unfortunate luck for Greer. You know, that there's this new coach that has his quarterback that he likes, and I'm going to have to fight for this guy for to be number two. Because I like Greer coming out of WVU. He was horrific mm-hmm. when he was on the field this past year, though. I mean, and But I think, to your point, that... You know, one is going to be one on the death chart probably, and the other one's probably going to be three. 
And just a year ago, they were basically drafted in the same neighborhood. Like, I don't know if you could even trade, you know, would Stidham go in the top six picks of this draft? You know, is he more valuable than DeAndre Swift right now? Maybe. I I don't know. You'd know better than I would. But I think you're 100% right that I spent a whole year with this guy every day and, you know, seeing what he absorbs and how he runs scout team and the questions he asks in the quarterback meeting room. And I, I have faith in this one and I don't have faith in the other. So if you're hanging, if you're in a super flex league, and uh, if if you're still listening, I'm going to presume you are. You've got Will Greer stashed on your roster. What the Panthers have told us this off season is it's time to give up on that, right? Right, but I mean, I could easily envision him lasting in the league ten years and being Chase Daniel. Yeah, I mean, is Chase Daniel on every super flex roster? I mean. No. Okay. (laughs) But maybe he starts 20 games in his career. And going back to your Stidham uh, question, I don't, I think there's still enough uncertainty and uh, maybe this is because Cam Newton is still uh, out there as a free agent, but I don't think people are, are locking Stidham in as the, as the starter in new England yet. I, I think there's still enough uncertainty that, Maybe they last minute when, you know, things open back up and we can get some medicals on cam. Maybe they sign him or they uh, they make a trade for Jacoby Brissett still or something like that. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I think there's enough uncertainty that people are not valuing Stidham as the locked in starter yet and, and certainly wouldn't give up. I don't think you could even get a first rounder for him. Mm. Uh, even in Superflex, let alone one of those top six picks. So he's really like the ultimate hold and wait and see right now, And unless you just absolutely don't trust him and you want to sell high and, and take your early second-round pick. And I could see anyone doing that right now. You know, like, this is his absolute peak. I'm going to get out. I made money on my on my investment. I'd rather sit him than Herbert. Oh, wow. But that's, I mean, it's in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm going that far yet. But um, you know, Stidham's probably Stidham's more likely to be the week one starter than Herbert yes, right now, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. we could we could say that at least. All right, Matt. Let's run through the fourth round. Uh, Twelve more players here, and uh, just give us one or two that you would be targeting late in your rookie drafts. Thirty-seven overall, Antonio Gandy Golden. Thirty-eight, Devin Asiasi. Eno Benjamin, Tyler Johnson, LaMichael P. Ryan, DJ Dallas, Quintez Cephas, 44 is uh, Albert O, 45, Jake Fromm, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Dalton Keene, and Isaiah Coulter, 48 overall. So that would be the 412. Uh, out of those 12 guys, give me one or two that you would be uh, hoping for in the fourth round. Well, I do think Andy Golden and Aussie Aussie deserve to be at the top of that list. And frankly, I like Troutman and Aussie Aussie more than I like Cole Komet. So that's just my quick tight end you know, wrap up there. I think Jake Fromm's really interesting because I'm not sure that Josh Allen's good at football. I mean, I know he's mm-hmm. going to have every opportunity to succeed, but he might be closer to Trubisky than people want to admit at this point. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't, a year from now, we might be like, boy, that was another bad year. He's not you – know, this team has a good defense. They run the ball well. Maybe uh, John Stockton point guard Jake Fromm would give us a better chance to win. I, I mean, with the 50, 45th pick overall in the draft, I could say, all right, I'll roll the dice on that. Or Allen's a big physical guy and he breaks his leg. You know, I mean, he's going to take a lot of hits. The, the last one I want to talk about, though, is Peoples-Jones. Obviously – he was not going to be an early pick in the draft. His his tape isn't good, but he doesn't have that hard of a of a challenge to get to be the number three in Cleveland. And is Odell and especially Landry going to be there much longer? You know, so I don't think the the playing time is. I don't think there's a lot in front of him. Yeah, that's fair. He he's a player that it, it, it seems like dynasty owners have just given up on. Yeah. He had that he had that name that everybody knew as a. Uh, a former top recruit, uh, but but the fall, the landing spot that doesn't look great uh, at, at first glance, and and he's obviously falling to the uh, to the late rounds 
almost in every draft and, and sometimes going undrafted. Uh, I would mostly agree with you. I do also prefer Troutman and Asiasi to Cole Komet. Um, I'm also taking the taking chances on uh, some more backup running backs here. La Michael P. Ryan. Uh, I was I was good with DJ Dallas as well. Of course, the Carlos Hyde signing hurts that a little bit. Um, but I, I think he I mean, I think Dallas still makes that team. Uh, we'll see what happens with the injuries to Penny and, and Chris Carson. Sounds like Carson uh, will be healthy. Penny probably not. And then Quintus Cephas is the other player that uh, it seems like every time I look at my rookie rankings, I move Quintus Cephas up a little bit more and more each time. So he's he's another one would definitely be looking at him in, in the fourth round. Last one on the, the last guy on the list is K.J. Hill. The Chargers don't really have – much besides their top two receivers. He's a good little slot. Right. There's there's some opportunity there. W- one thing that I've noticed is you see K.J. Hill. You mentioned him. He's 50th overall in our ADP. Uh, the Chargers drafted two wide receivers, though. They also drafted Joe Reed mm-hmm. uh, and, and they out of Mississippi, and they, they drafted Reed uh, a couple rounds ahead of K.J. Hill. But it's KJ Hill, the Ohio State product, the guy that uh, we had all heard of. I, I think, I believe this is correct. He's Ohio State's all-time yeah, leading receiver. Uh, so a nice, nice uh, resume for him. But we're ignoring the player they took a couple rounds earlier. I'd rather have Joe Reed than KJ Hill. Yeah, I could see that. I also think Reed might be more returner. Uh, Miller Lite version of uh, LaVisca Chenault type guy. I, I, I think yeah, they're very yeah. different. You know, Hill's a slot and a maybe a Welker type, you know, get a, a high target dude. Yeah, yeah, very fair. All right, Matt, good stuff uh, going through these rookie tiers of Superflex Dynasty Leagues. We're starting a new series, Matt, next week. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so check in with that. We'll have some great guests coming up. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.